0: Afternoon and welcome to the Girls Who Sell Spotlight Podcast, where we talk about everything business to business sales. My name is Heidi Solomon-Orlick, and I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Who Sell. At Girls Who Sell, we are not only committed to closing the gender gap in B2B sales, but to building the largest pipeline of diverse early stage female sales talent. We are more than a company. We are a movement. On today's episode, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Marketing Minimalist, international speaker, and the number one rated business consultant in Jacksonville, Florida, Elizabeth Pompolone. Elizabeth, thank you for joining us and welcome to the spotlight. Hopefully I got your last name right. Did I? Yeah, you did. You did. It's Pampelone, like that's the American Pamplone, way. Pampelone, okay. Yeah,
1: Pampelone is like the Italian way. <laughs> I thought
0: I brought a little Italian into, the, into yeah. the introduction. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your background? I know you've been an entrepreneur for a while. So
1: um, why don't you walk us through your journey? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I actually started as an entrepreneur in a very early age. My mom was one when I was growing up. So I had little businesses here and there when I was a teenager. And then I went to school for computer programming and then got a job, got a cubicle, got married. Three months later, got divorced <laughs> and then um, decided that I needed to be more in charge and more in control of what I was earning and how I could earn money. Um, even when my circumstance may have been that I wouldn't be able to stick in one particular location if I was moving or whatnot. So um, I started a business at the age of 20 and I've been doing that for a long time, (laughs) a number of years. And it was really interesting to me that, um, you know, of all the technical skills that I had gained and all the things I had studied over the years of, of being an entrepreneur, but also before that, you know, as a teenager and a young adult, I never studied sales, yet that was the number one thing I had to do as an entrepreneur was to sell something. So um, when I kind of had that rude awakening, it was, it was uh, interesting. And I, I really did delved into it as a subject, like I was in a class, like I had to read about it. I had to learn about it. I had learned what to do, what not to do. And um, so I took it as seriously as, as anything else that I had learned uh, technically, And I think that really helped to keep my business going through many different kinds of economic climates, if you would say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. So um, I'd love to unpack that. First of all, what was your business that you started when you were 20?
1: I started a computer repair company and I went into people's homes and fixed their computers and I taught classes to fill that pipeline. So, I would teach at senior centers how to do email or how to write a Word document. And then <clears throat> people would tell me, Well, I don't, my computer doesn't do that. So, I would say, I'll oh, just come to your house and help you with it. And that turned into a really, really big business, a six figure business that I ended up hiring multiple employees and even had my husband working with me at one time on. Oh my goodness. That is
0: absolutely phenomenal. And I do, you know, it's interesting because we interview quite a few entrepreneurs and what you said is so true, how, you know, you, you fall in love with your business or your product or service, but you never think about the fact that if you don't sell it, then you're not
1: going to be able to sustain it. That's so true. Um, and then after I had that bit, that first business, um, I, I subsequently at the same time, so kind of overlapping in a way, um, I built a marketing company because that was my original background. And so I built a because I was marketing myself, right? And I was selling myself. I wanted to teach other people how to do that for their small business. And so I ran the two at the same time for a couple of years, and then ended up selling the first one, and then now just have the marketing company and. Um, we're a little different. We actually create one year of marketing content in five days for small businesses. Oh my goodness! I may mean, need to hire you. <laughs> that that sounds
0: like what I need. That is that is awesome. So um so tell me you know you said your mom was an intra- entrepreneur yes. um you know that that's interesting because not a lot of women have those role models, I, I feel like you're very fortunate. It's two things are really interesting to me. One that you had a mom who was such a a great role model to you, but two, you went into predominantly a male dominated type of industry, um, in computer technology, particularly in computer repair. Right. So tell me what kind of influence she had on your life early
1: on. Yeah. So she had some small businesses. She did, um, One that was like a multi-level marketing um, where they kind of provided things for you, but really at that time, MLMs weren't what they are today. Um, And they didn't provide you as much as they do now um, in the way of marketing and things like that. So she really had to bootstrap a lot of her own initiatives and she would go into these high schools and teach continuing education to adults in the evening. And one of them was that had to do with things that with this um, multi-level marketing company. She also had a business, she made baskets and she made her own patterns and she hired an artist to draw the patterns by hand and show like almost like a recipe, right? But instead of having pictures of each stage of your recipe, you have a hand-drawn illustration of each stage of how your basket is supposed to look and how the weaving is supposed to look because pictures were just not good enough for my mom. (laughs) So she had to have them hand-drawn. Um, And she wrote a book on, she wrote several books on uh, basket weaving that are still out there today. Um, And she, she taught basket classes. She sold baskets. She sold reeds. She did parties and she kind of made her own MLM, but for herself with this basket weaving thing, it was this really small little business. And she went to craft shows and conventions and all the things, Um, but she did all of that while I was growing up. So.
0: Wow. That's actually phenomenal. It sounds quite brilliant actually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And my grandfather was also, her dad was also an entrepreneur. He um, started his own consulting business and he would consult high, um, like higher education, um, you know, uh, colleges and things, and he would help them with their fundraising. And so he was selling the higher education company on, Hey, let me help you with your fundraising. And then he would also have to fundraise. So he was selling into two different things. And when with my mom, she was, she had those two businesses. And then, so when I was a young kid, I would <clears throat> sit with her when clients would come to the house and they would buy things from her and I would try and sell them things, you know, they didn't need. I would just be like, oh, have you seen me got this in? You should totally look at this. And so I was kind of like, in, in, you know, getting all that by osmosis over those years of, this is what you say. This is not what you say. This is how you feel out a person. This is how you read them. Um, and we were just selling basket weaving. It was all crafting kind of things. It wasn't anything crazy or illegal. It was just, you know, simple, um, fun things that people didn't need, but they were still willing to spend money on. And I thought that was kind of fascinating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really, it really was an embedded life skill for you, right, that yeah. you learned so early on. That's awesome. So talk to me about what it means
1: to be a marketing minimalist. So the thing I mentioned a little bit ago about creating one-year content in five days, well, I do this for myself, and I also do this for clients, so I feel like the hair club for men guy, like I'm also a client, <laughs> um and i really believe that marketing doesn't have to be this long drawn out process i've seen people go through building a site with a company and it takes one or more years to get a site finished and it costs tens of thousands of dollars and i had a client come to me with a site that they were supposed to be building for around $30,000 i ended up building the site in 3 days for around $6,000. Wow. So they, the thing that these bigger companies and some of these companies with tons of employees or employees overseas, they're really padding all this because their overhead is so high and they're not even getting people what they actually need. And so with marketing minimalism, I really take a look at what the business is doing, what's working, what's not working. And then we strip everything back and we just put in the pieces that are necessary. So think of going into your kitchen and taking out all the glasses you own. Every mug, every glass, everything. You take them all out of the cabinet. And then you only put back your favorites because those are the ones you use anyway. And so then your cabinets are cleaner and everything's easier and you don't have as many dishes at the end of the week. <laughs> and so, you know, you're not you're not looking at it from a perspective of what am I taking away? You're looking at a perspective of, I've taken everything out. Now, what am I going to put back that makes the most sense? And also the minimalism comes into play with the time. I don't spend a lot of time on these things. I build a site in a day with a client. I build a membership site in a day with a client. We do 12 months of social media posts written, designed, and scheduled in a day. That's 365 or more posts. So, you know, I'm looking at it from a perspective of, let's minimize the time, let's minimize the effort and let's maximize what we're actually getting out of these things instead of putting all of our eggs in one basket, let's say social media and sitting there and hoping it hatches, right? <laughs> Just not, right. It's not gonna happen that way. So um, more about diversification and minimizing time and effort. And, and that's so important
0: for small businesses and particularly entrepreneurs. And I can speak for myself, right? If, if you get that time back, you get, you know, allows you to continue to reinvest your time in other areas of your business that, you know, and th- these other things that weren't necessarily moving the needle um, yeah. are just draining. They're draining, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've seen with clients, and even myself. You know. Um, I was actually doing posts on a ton of platforms. I was writing different posts for platforms. I was putting time and energy into the different graphics that were needed. And when I come to find out, after a year of actually looking at it and paying attention and being consistent though, had to be consistent for a whole year though, to know, okay, this or is or isn't working. I could look back at my analytics and almost none of my sales or clients were coming from or had even said or mentioned that they had seen me on Facebook. And so I have completely deleted Facebook. Same thing with Instagram. Those are just not where my people are. Now, LinkedIn is a different story. I have clients there. I have people that see me there. It's a different atmosphere there and a different clientele. And that's who I'm actually trying to reach is those business to business. But the other platforms just weren't doing anything. And even though people were like, oh, well, you're seen on Facebook and Google likes you to have all these social platforms. Not really, not necessarily anymore. There's a lot of misinformation out there as far as, What Google wants and what you think you should do for this or do for that, and SEO. And there's just so many terms that are thrown out every day, and not everyone knows what they're talking about. So I try to just strip all that back and say, well, let's look at the basics. And most businesses, if you think about it, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, nobody had any of that. And they did just fine. (laughs) That they managed. Find your people, right? And they weren't global businesses, they were local businesses. And even regional businesses. And so they managed, like you said, and we can too. It's not that you want to go back to the dark ages, but you don't have to be this, you know, marketing maven, internet guru to figure all this out. Sometimes you just don't need all of it. Yeah. And and it sounds brilliant, but it puts me into a
0: complete panic attack thinking about um, doing this because, you know, I think, how do you, how do you plan? Like, I, it's hard for me to even think about, you know, about, um, you know, what I'm going to post two days from now, let a, because I'm inspired, I get inspired, right? And so the thought of actually planning content, you know, a year, a whole worth of content, how do you address to different marketing changes, business changes, you know, I, I don't know, like, you know, are those things that you just, you know, overlay and that you do some touch, touch points, you know, throughout the year to be sure that you're still tracking the the right way. I don't know. So the
1: stuff that, um, I kind of give an example for this, for what we do is in 2020, when everything literally fell apart, the only posts that my clients had to remove from their schedules had to do with events. And nothing else had to be removed, even during the climate and how it changed constantly and how the you know there was social stuff going on there was um, health stuff going on. The only thing that they had to do was remove events and add, this is what we're doing for this this so so like that inspired thing so. They were inspired or they were moved to do something about something social. They would post that. So it's not like you can't post anything on top of this. But what I find is a lot of entrepreneurs are not consistent. And that's a huge downfall because you might be really inspired this week. And next week, you're just like, I'm just keeping my head above water. (laughs) I am just shredding water here. I don't even have time to think about a social post. I did two last week. I think I'm good. And then you're gone for three or four weeks and you don't even realize it happens And um, then all of a sudden you're back, you know, and so Google sees this as inconsistent. Facebook sees this as inconsistent. And so social can be this kind of on again, off again relationship that doesn't help you any because there's no traction that's gained. And also your message is not getting across because you're constantly saying things that, well, I said something like that a few weeks ago, I think I don't want to say the same thing again. And what you kind of, Forget is that new people have joined you since a few weeks ago, and they don't necessarily—they're not going to scroll back. I'm not going to go back five posts, right? But your message has to be continually put out there. And if you look back at any of the podcasts I've been on, I've been on over 200 in two years. And if you look back at any of those, you're going to see that I talk about 12 months of social media in a day, 12 months of blogging in a day, the five things that I really are my main five pillars. Those are the only podcast guest interviews that I've ever done. Uh, unless it's something special like this, where we're talking more about like selling. But yeah. My message is the same. You'll hear the same thing from me in every single social media podcast that I've ever talked on. And so that message has to be consistent. So that's what we do with social media is build you this really great, really easy um, pipeline of just, good solid content so that when you are inspired yeah throw that in too. the more the merrier but this is to give you that daily weekly monthly aspect whatever those time frames are that you're always there on the third monday with a post about you know whatever it is
0: yeah no i love that and i bet and i bet that
1: you can correlate it directly back to sales Yes, yes, you can look right back at the analytics and you can see what posts are being engaged with, not necessarily with likes, but with views Um, and also with some comments and likes you've got that as well, but you can look back at your views. Uh, I feel views are more
0: important important than likes and comments.
1: Yes, because I know that some of the views are scroll buys but they're not all. I think you have to be on it for so many seconds for it to count as a view. Right. Um, And videos have to be watched for so many seconds before it's counted as a view. But essentially the views are the people who, let's say, have you ever gotten a sales call from someone and, and you had spoken at something or you had been pushing out content or whatnot, and then they call you out of the blue. You've never heard of them. You don't know who they are. And they say, I saw you on this podcast and I saw this post you did, or I got this email from somebody who they sent it to me from, you know, they forwarded me your email or something. And you're, you're kind of like, well, my marketing's working because their random person just found me kind of through my marketing. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's the thing that they never said anything about it. They never directly replied to you. It could have been a year ago, a month ago, weeks ago. It doesn't matter. It was a while ago. It was probably in the past at some point. And I've also heard people say things like, I see you everywhere. And that's where they're seeing it, but they're not being vocal about it. They're not liking, they're not commenting. That's just not who they are. And I'm sure we both of us have seen hundreds of posts that we've scrolled by or even read and never actually clicked like or commented or anything like that. But we've in, in- the information and it's in here, right? It's in your brain. <laughs> and you might remember it. It might trigger at some point. Oh yeah, this person does this. So that's what I think the views are more important on social because you're actually getting who has seen it. And the more views you get, it's the better you, your sales are going to be. But also it's about being consistent in order to get those views because your posts don't get shown if you're not consistent. Yeah. I, that's such a
0: good mindset chip for me because I, I think I've really been obsessed. I obsess with that, (laughs) with that stuff with, you know, likes and, and um, you know, comments and, and those kinds of things. And of course uh, we all obsess about how to try to beat the LinkedIn algorithm. And like, I'm like, the new thing is why are they doing all this? Like, spacing in the middle of their thing their thing, right? They write some content and then they space, 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 space. And then it goes down I'm like it, I don't know, it must be a LinkedIn thing. But um I think we need therapy around um <laughs> this this obsession.
1: Yes, yes. And that's kind of what I do. Like I'm really sitting with people, I do these sessions one-on-one. So they're in person. I fly to them or they fly to me. And We really do kind of go through, like you said, this mindset shift on, but I can't, but what if, but what about, and it's like a lot of this stuff, honestly, doesn't matter. Once you've built a base and once you've done consistent marketing for a good amount of time, a lot of the things you've been doing can actually be stripped back. Um, because then you're looking at what your actual core is. And a lot of people, they just keep adding and adding and adding and adding. And all of a sudden you have this Frankenstein marketing plan that is so big and so bulky that you can barely handle it anymore. And so this is kind of what I do with people who are been, who've been in this space where they're not, they're kind of growing, but they're not really growing because they're kind of in this catch 22 where they don't have enough time to market but they don't, they have too many clients. And so they're kind of stuck between taking on more clients, hiring somebody, but still marketing, but they can't really market because they're taking on too many clients. And yeah, so that's this the time does, to raise your prices, reduce your price right? and raise your, raise your prices. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, but this is kind of that marketing thing where they've DIY'd for so long, but they're not ready to hire that person that's just gonna be their dedicated person or be their dedicated agency. And so this is that bridge. This is that gap filler where it's like you've DIY'd enough. Let's get you on more solid footing. Let's get you a whole year in advance done. You can still add to it. You can still tweak it if you need to, but you're most of it's off your plate. So you can literally sell the thing you need to sell in order to next year, hire that person or next year, do this one more time and then hire that person. So just kind of pushes you a little bit further without all that extra time and effort every single week, every single day, trying to figure out what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And not really getting anywhere with it. Yeah. The other
0: thing that drives me nuts is seeing posts with like, with, you know, 10,000 likes. I'm like, that is the stupidest post I've ever seen in my life. Why, why are they getting so much engagement or of course all of the polls and everything now that, yeah. You know, of course, I think polls are starting to fall out of favor. If I see another poll, I'm just gonna throw my computer <laughs> against the wall. But um, but I that's a really interesting thought. Now I'm gonna be really happy because my my impressions are are great, like in terms of, of views. I mean, you know, so
1: hmm. it's that's kind of like the email thing too. You know, there's a lot of people that um they do email marketing and they don't get a lot of opens. Yes. or they don't even get a lot of clicks. So their there's their receive rate might be amazing. Their open rate might be decent, right? It's kind of in the middle somewhere, but their click rate is just nothing. But that's not really what matters. It's the receivable rate and the open rate. And the reason those two are important is because same kind of thing. People are reading your subject lines. So if your subject line is I'll never do that again. Um, Who cares? Nobody's going to open that. Nobody's going to read that. It's just going to go right by. But if your subject line is specific to your content and you're only sending one thing at a time, you're not sending a newsletter with 50 million items in it. Right. And they can decide, is this the information pertinent to me? Do I need it? Do I need to sign up for this class? Do I need to read this latest review of this new product, whatever. And so they can decide, even if they don't open it, even if they do open it and they don't click through, they have seen you, they have remembered you, they have been kind of touched by you, right? Like that's another touch. Like there's a touch on social. They saw you on social, another touch. They saw your email, another touch. They heard you on a podcast, another touch. So it takes seven to 10 of those, if not more now, like 12 to 15. Yeah. Now it's more, right? until someone actually is going to do anything about it. So all of those things, even receival rates and open rates, not just click-throughs, because click-throughs obviously usually lead to some kind of sale, quote-unquote sale, but the open rates are just as good and the receival rates are just as good because I've had people tell me, I get your emails all the time. I love them. I don't always get a chance to read them, which means they're not opening half of the stuff I'm sending them. If not more than half the stuff but that's okay because they still know me they still see me and they still remember they know me. what you do so when they're ready to make a buying decision, exactly you're
0: going to be top of mind
1: exactly because they i'm just right there just saying hey but i'm not over you well, know yeah, in their face
0: right like hey here's no. an email you know
1: and they don't they don't unsubscribe either i've i have very few unsubscribes so that's another another key tip there that's, that's great
0: um so what what's your ideal client look like for you just if someone's listening to this and they are like oh my gosh i need this in my life i usually work with
1: women um 35 to 65 and they are usually in business 3 to 10 years i've had some as in business as long as 30 years and some that are just starting up but that sweet spot is like that 3 to 10 year mark i also find that like the 10 year mark for a lot of people is kind of like this, okay, I've been doing this for a really long time. I'm kind of legit now, but I don't feel legit. (laughs) I don't feel like I've actually made it. Yes. Yes. I don't, I haven't made it quite yet. Or i just feel like I'm still kind of in the hobby stage, even though they're making good money and they're, they're seeing growth, but they, in their mind, they're not there. And I think a lot of that comes from DIY marketing. They don't see, feel like their brand is the same perception as what they are really doing in the world. And so, um, you know, I try to come in and help them because I like to elevate and lift up those brands that have been DIY'd in the past or had a bad experience with a designer or something and say like, this is okay. Like you've grown up, you're in the next stage. You have to own that and you have to come into that. Um, and, and people that just, like I said, they're just growing really fast and they don't have time to hire someone to, and they don't even know who to hire or what to do, this training that I do, because it's implementation and training together and it's all in person, it kind of also sets them up so that when they do hire somebody, they can ask some questions because they've done it, right? They've been there, they've done the the work on building the website with me or building out the social media with me. So when they go to hire somebody, they can ask a question and actually know what they're talking about and they can really vet the person you're trying to hire much better and less, have less money lost in the long term.
0: Yeah, I think we, we all need to write a goodbye letter to the control freak in, in us, right? As, the, <laughs> right, as the solopreneur to allow that yes. to happen that's probably yeah. my issue. I'm, I'm probably, that's pot calling the p- kettle black bit, but <laughs> um, you know, but do you find that with some of the, especially, you know, the entrepreneurs that have been running their own thing and doing their own thing for 10 years? And it's like, what, you, you want me to actually give that up? Yeah, but but and they actually, need to, to take their business to the next level.
1: Exactly. And that's actually what I did. Yeah. I did this year. I mean, I, I had these photos that I had done Five years ago i look pretty much the same like i haven't really changed that much but i loved them they were like my photos like they were the thing and i decided to change them this year and i got a different photographer and i i love the new photos but that little bit of me was like oh but 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 the old ones work still you know (laughs) It was and hard to I let go. To... Well, yeah, I love really your hard. new
0: photos. You're, they're right. they're awesome. And they just oh, thank show you. so much personality. I just think they're they're great. So anyone listening to this podcast, if they want to get a hold of you, what's the best
1: way for them to do that? They can go to getabsolutemarketing.com. And I actually have a free 15 minute call. I love to chat with people and help them get some direction in their marketing. Um, and I also have the Marketing Minimalism podcast, and that's also on the website, or you can go to marketingminimalism.com and find all that information too.
0: That sounds great. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation and, uh, and I, I'm going to take you up on that free 15 minute call. I think I'm at a level in my business where it might not be a bad idea. So I
1: love what you do. That sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Bye.